from the heart, they want to be cleaned up and ready to go and serve the Lord effectively. Amen. This is a petition for complete sanctification. I'm not talking about the elimination of the old nature like the Nazarene folks preach. I'm not against them. We have Nazarene relatives in laws and so forth. And I understand their Wesleyan in doctrine and John Wesley and some of those that came along after him taught that there was a second work of grace whereby the old nature was eradicated effectively so that you never sin again in this life. And whenever we had uh, any discussions on this, I always made sure I was at least three feet away from somebody who claimed sanctification, complete sanctification, because of the lightning that might strike. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, all God's children are sinners. Even though we don't want to sin, even though we ought not to sin, we still sin. And anybody who says, well, I'm, I've, I've had that second work of grace. I say, brother, I've had the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, but I still sin, and I'm not proud of it. But we deal with it. Amen. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know that 1 John was written to my little children, written to people that claim to be saved? Do you know that 1 John 1, 9 uh, has to do with the restoration of fellowship? Has nothing to do with getting saved or staying saved? I know people will take things out of context, but I'm telling you in its proper context, it has to do with us, everyday believers. We're still going to be like Jesus described. He used the illustration when he washed the feet of those guys coming in. You know, they're walking around those dusty roads of Galilee, and they come in, and uh, Jesus got down with a towel and a basin of water, and he began to wash their feet. And some of them objected. Peter objected. And he said, oh, if, if, if you'll have no part with me if I don't wash your feet. And he said, all right, Lord, if you're going to wash me, wash me all over. But he was destroying, you see, he was destroying the picture. The picture was the restoration of fellowship. We get out and we walk through the dust of this world. We need to get that dust washed off, don't we? We confess it. We, we make it right. We, we already belong to the King of Kings. We already belong to Jesus. He's ours and we're His. But, uh, and we need to have that foot washing, spiritually speaking. Now, some of you have come from church backgrounds where they had the actual foot washing. I never did, but um, it's not about actual foot washing. It's about the symbolism of it and what it represents. It represents the restoration of fellowship. It means keeping short accounts with God. Here he's praying that people might do that, that his people might have that complete sanctification, not an external sanctification as far as dress and customs and forms of behavior and so forth, that's, that's, that's not it. Sanctification begins in the heart. Folks that really have a desire to do right from the heart, to be holy from the heart, to be like Jesus, this is my song, in the home and in the throng. Be like Jesus all day long. I would be like Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're dealing with things like pride and lust and, and self-willedness and... and uh, righteousness of our own works and so forth. All of those things need to be dealt with and it starts with the heart. There's a third prayer here very quickly and that's in verse number 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And Daquan, you know what this is. Man, this is a prayer. This is a prayer for service. Serving the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Amen. We're supposed to be busy about our Father's business. That's what Jesus said.
to uh, Mary and Joseph when they came seeking him when he was 12 years of age. Uh, Don't you know, wish you not that I must be about my father's business. We're supposed to be about our father's business. We're supposed to be occupying until Jesus comes. Now, I understand the, the, um, the immediate application of occupy has to do with another period of time. But right now, we still have that opportunity to, um, to obtain the, the rewards that will cast at Jesus' feet if we are faithful in serving Him. We need to be serving the Lord. Do it with gladness. Not because of obligation. Not because we have to. Not because it's scheduled, but because we want to. That's why you carry a pocket full of, or a purse full of tracks and you go give those smiles out and you give a good word for Jesus. And today, uh, handed one to the server and she looked at it and says, I love these. Now, I just want to know which, how, how many among you have been going there and giving her our tracks? That's all right. That's okay. Because we run into a lot of that, don't we? I just got one of these, they say. Or I got one of these the other day. Or we, even better than that, they open up their cash drawer, and they pull out a track, and they say, I keep it right here, right, right nearby. We need to be serving the Lord. We need to do it in every way, in every, every opportunity, every day. So he's saying, Thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Let me picture this for you. The Apostle Paul talks about different kinds of vessels. Some, some are fancy, some are very basic. Some really look good on the outside, and some don't look so good on the outside. What really counts with a vessel, Brother Ed, is what you put in it. That's it. What's in the vessel? What's in there? Sometimes we play with our grandkids. What's in my hand? Or what do you think... What do you think we have today over here, you know, whatever, you know, the, the secret of the day or the, the special surprise of the day? What's in the vessel is more important than the vessel itself. But what's in the vessel will determine the yieldedness of the vessel. If its use is for the glory of God. Your life, my life, may be a fancy or plain vessel. It may be a a really uh, impressive-looking vessel, or it may be a very simple, ordinary vessel. But what's inside of it will bring honor or will bring dishonor to God Almighty. What's filling you up? What's in your vessel? What's in your vessel? Y'all say, oh, I'm, I'm full of these things. It may be sinful things. It may be selfish things. It may be all about you. It's all about you. Somewhere between birth and today, I've gotten mostly over that business about, it's all about me, i got to have it my way. And while some people misunderstand this, God has given us divine responsibilities in administration in the local church. So it's not up to us just to arbitrarily give up on certain things. People say, oh, I'd like to turn this ministry into a, a dog and cat retreat. I'm sorry. As much as I'd like to do that. No, I wouldn't. As much as I'd like to do that, I can't because it's not in the Word of God. Well, I think that we ought to, we ought to have a, a big social activity in the, in the fellowship hall every week and just open it up to the world to come in. I think we just get a whole lot of people in and we just have a wonderful old time. Now, I would not like to do that, but besides that, it's not in the Word of God, so we're not going to do that. And that, although... 
people don't approach me very often. Every once in a while we have to say, no, we don't do that. We don't do that because that's not in the Word of God. That's not a biblical thing. That's not a part of the ministry. First and foremost, the primary purpose of our ministry is to glorify God. Number two is to reach out and help people who are as lost as they can be to come to the Lord and to be scripturally saved, to be born again, and to become a part of the family of God by the new birth. Thirdly, is to help them, once they've been born again, to realize that God has a plan and a mission and a purpose for them, and we can help uh, in their training, and, and they're becoming su successful in pointing other folks to the Master. Now, that's, that's a pretty good summary of what we're all about. So when people say, you ought to have a dog and cat retreat, or you ought to have a big social doings downstairs, that's not what we're about. We're about those three things that I just talked about. God has set us apart so that we might be meat for the master's use. The word meat, M-E-E-T in the Bible means fit. Fit for the master's use. And the way we're fit is if the prayer of Jesus Christ so many years ago, nearly 2,000 years ago, prayed for his disciples then and those of us who've come along since then, uh, if those prayers are fulfilled in us, are we separated from the world and unto Christ? Are we sanctified in our inner being, from the heart? Are we, do we have a desire to please the Lord? Number three, are we serving the Lord so that the vessel that we are, whatever it is, plain or fancy, is filled with what God would fill us up with? Maybe tonight there might be some folks who would say, you know, I need more detail. I don't think so. I think we just need more yieldedness. I think we've heard it all. I didn't have to give you the 50 quotes on prayer. And we don't need more detail. We just need to say, fill me, Lord. Fill me. I need all of what you have for me in here. And there may be a, a sense of specificity. There's a big word for you. When it comes to what the Scripture describes, but our desire should be to have what the Lord wants to give us and be filled with that fullness. The fullness of God, the fullness of Christ, the fullness of the Spirit, all three are mentioned in Scripture. We should have a desire for Him to take us and to use us for His glory. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Now we've talked about some very important things. And how many of you would say, Preacher, I'm on the same page with you. I, I want to know more about Jesus, and I want to be more like Jesus. Slip your hand up. I want to know more about Jesus, and I want to be more like Jesus. Amen. Well, all right, we've learned tonight we can't do it by imitation. We've got to be filled with the Spirit. We've got to have what He has for us. We've got to be willing to receive that. That means we need to be willing to confess our sin and empty ourselves of self and our self-willedness and our self-righteousness, our own agenda. And I, I wonder how many tonight would be willing just to breathe a prayer and say, Lord, I want to be emptied of. I want to be forgiven, cleansed, and emptied of all those things that are displeasing that are not your plan and your purpose for me, for my life, for you. And then with heads bowed and eyes closed, it may be that that God's Spirit spoke as I was speaking on the subject of service. Not just separation and sanctification, but service. And we want to be clean vessels, and we want to be serving the Lord. We want to be filled with the fullness of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And you say, that's what I want. If that's the case, then just pray from your heart right now and say, Lord, I want 
your fullness. I want to be able to serve you the right way in a pleasing way. I want the, the master's prayer to be answered in my life, and I want to be able to pray that way for others. Which brings me to this. If Jesus could pray that way and could intercede for others, can't we intercede for others? How many of you would like to be a better intercessor? Raise your hand up high with me. I've got my hand raised. I want to be a better intercessor. I want to pray for others. Amen. Now, most important, do you know that you know that you know that you've been born again? Do you know that you're saved? Do you know beyond any doubt that if you died right now, you'd go to heaven? Say, I don't know that for sure, but I'd like to know. Let me help you right now. Would you pray from your heart to God a simple prayer? There are four things we need to know in order to be sure that heaven is our home. And the first is that we're all sinners. So would you be willing to pray right now something like this from your heart? Dear God, just pray, dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. The Bible says we deserve to pay for our sins. And so let's just pray that. Lord, I know I deserve to pay for my sins. Lord, I know I deserve to pay for my sins. But I believe Jesus paid the price for my sins. I believe Jesus paid the price for my sins. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he was buried. I believe he was buried. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he rose from the dead. And right now, Lord, right now, Lord, I want to ask you, I want to ask you to come into my heart, come into my heart as my personal Savior, as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins. Please take away my sins. And take me to heaven when I die. And take me to heaven when I die. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. I'm the only one observing. If you just prayed that prayer from your heart and you really meant business, slip your hand up high so I can see it right now. God bless you. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. In just a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. We're going to ask those to whom the Spirit of God has spoken. If you want to come and pray, pray about separation, about sanctification, about being like Jesus, knowing more about Jesus, praying like Him, loving like Him, then I want you to come have a word of prayer and go back to your seat. If you've prayed to receive Jesus as your Savior and you meant it, I want you to come and say, I prayed that prayer. I have someone show you from the Bible about the Christian life to help you out. tested him throughout the course of time so many still reach out to him with broken hearts and minds and every one of them will say with no exception that they find that jesus never fails Amen.
Never fail. 